book of Ephesians. We'll be there for just a little bit. As we were talking last time about praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We saw the different types of, of um, prayers. We looked at the prayer of faith, the prayer of petition, the prayer of inquiry, the prayer of supplication, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of thanksgiving, and the prayer of praise and worship. The prayer of faith is when we know the will of God and we pray those things that are the will of God, that we know are the will of God and believe that we will receive them. The prayer of petition, we're not quite as sure on this. We're saying, God, how about this? Or we'll put this out there as Abraham did. Uh, would you spare the city if, the, if there was uh, less than ten? And he threw out a petition there and God said, all right, I won't, I'll spare the city and, and so forth. The prayer of inquiry, where we're not sure what the will of God is on the matter. And we, we ask God, what is your will in this? We saw Jesus perform this and Paul. The prayer of supplication. This supplication is made for saints when we're asking on behalf of other people that are believers. The prayer of intercession. When we're praying for those that are either backslidden or unsaved. There's a gap between them and God and we're there to stand in between that gap. The prayer of thanksgiving. Just giving thanks for the things that we have. Thanks for what God has done. Just uh, being thankful. Word of God tells us to be thankful always. The prayer of praise and worship, that even when we are praising and worshiping, singing praises unto God, we are in prayer to God. We're kind of having a conversation with God. We're talking with God. And these are some of the things that, are, that go on there. Now, this, I said, was not an all-encompassing list. This, this is not all the prayers that there are. There are some other ones, and you can certainly add some things to this as the Word of God gives you insight into that. But let's take a look at some other things in the, as far as prayer and action is concerned. We referenced John chapter 17, but let's flip one over there and take a look at Jesus as he's praying. Jesus spoke these words in verse 1 of chapter 17. Lift up, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son and your, that your Son may glorify you. Well, I don't know if you realize that, but when God glorifies us, we get to glorify Him. Amen. Sometimes we might say, well, why, why is Jesus asking to glorify Himself? Because He sees, if you glorify me in this, I'll be glorifying you. Remember, God does not share His glory with anyone. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also, may also may glorify you, as you have given Him authority over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as you have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Boy, wouldn't that be a good prayer to be able to pray? To know what the work is that God has called you to do and be able to say, I finished it. Uh, there's nothing better than knowing that you finished a job. How hard is it to leave work knowing that the job isn't finished yet? No, well, I stayed as long as I could, but I didn't quite get it all done. That's not a, that's not a good feeling to leave work and, and not have it all done. But oh, when you finish work, you can get it all done early. Everything you were supposed to do that day, it's done. And you, and you can leave that day and know I got everything done that I had to do. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you. Past tense. He had it. He gave it up. Come on down here. Which I had with you before the world was. Before the world was, the Son and the Father were. 
And so he talks about how God will be in there to help him finish the ministry out here. He's done all the work. Now he's going to finish the ministry and be glorified and glorify God as well. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. Understand what he's praying here. They were yours. You have given them to me. This idea that everything I have is God's is over-spiritualization. What God has given to you is yours. God gave it to you. It's yours. Take ownership of it. It's mine. It's mine. Don't go out there and say, well, my car belongs to God. No, God gave it to you. Don't go out there saying, well, my house belongs to God. Everything I have, no, your house belongs to you. God gave it to you. Your kids belong to you. God gave them to you. (laughs) Your gifts belong to you. God gave them to you. If God gave them to you, stop sitting there and not taking ownership over the thing. Well, that's not mine. Yeah, it is. It's yours. God gave it to you. If God gave you a talent, if God gave you an ability, it is yours. It is yours. Take ownership of it. Now, I've told you before, one of my favorite people to listen to on the, on the radio, not you know, preachers. I don't hear preachers on the radio, but one of my favorite persons to hear on the radio is Rush Limbaugh. Oh, I enjoy him. One of the things he would say all the time is, with talent on loan from God. He'd always say that, with talent on loan from God. Well, you know what? Sometimes we've got to get that idea, that, that attitude that says, what God has given to me is mine. And what I do with it is up to me. Too many times Christians have taken this attitude that says, well, whatever I have is God's and whatever he does with it is his, his doing. No, take ownership of what God has given you. It's yours. What you do with it is what you do with it. Remember the parable that Jesus gave of the parables or the, of the talents? He gave them to the folks and when they did something with it, he said, good job, well done, servant. And when they didn't do anything with it, he says, well, you, ungrateful, wicked, yes, slothful, all kinds. He didn't have very good words for that. He didn't take ownership of it. He said, he looked at that gift, well, I, here's what is yours. I took it and I hid it and buried it. I didn't touch it. I didn't do anything with it. He didn't take ownership of it. Take ownership of the things that are yours. God gave them to you. They are yours. Do something with it. Father God, you gave this to me. You gave me this talent. You gave me this ability. You gave me this house. You gave me this car. They are mine. I'm going to take care of them like they're mine. They're going to, they're going to reflect on me because I'm the one who's got them. So do them well. Have them. Use them for his glory. Where do we leave off at? Verse 6. You have, given, you have given me out of the... I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. Past tense. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. They have known that all things that you have given me. See, he's, he's on this giving thing. You gave them to me. They're mine. They have known... That all things which you have given me are from you, not yours. He says they are from you, but they're mine. You gave them to me. 
For I have, have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Too often, folks, Christians are praying for people they ought not to be. We don't know where to draw the line. We need to know where to draw the line. There's a line that is drawn. We need to know where it is. I can pray for that. I can't pray for that. That I can do. This I cannot do. This is within my scope. This is not within my scope. And know where it is. And sometimes, you know, human compassion, we want to step over those lines just to help people. Well, God just knows I'm trying to help people. No. Where's the line drawn? I can't pray. I can't do that. God has not given me that area to, to mess in. He's given me this area. I mess in this area. I can pray for these folks over here. Can't pray for the ones over there. I pray for them. Verse 9. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. Now, is Jesus still in the world? But see, he's, he's seeing beyond. My time's up. My ministry's fulfilled. I'm no longer in this. I'm done. He's not doing miracles anymore. He's done with the miracles. He's done with the praying over people. He's done with the meetings. Now we've got one thing to do. Let's go to the cross. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. That they may be one as we are one. God wants there to be unity. And not necessarily agreement. <laughs> We're not all going to agree. We're all in different places in our walk. Some places people see one thing because that's where their walk is. But he's praying for that, that because we're united, that other people would see that. But there are forces that come against us, folks, that want to try and disunite us. They want to kind of, kind of try and drive wedges in there. Have you ever seen that with families? Where, you know, the family's growing up together and they're all close and they're all... And then all of a sudden, somebody comes in from outside and messes with one of the members of the family. And then they start putting ideas in their head, telling them things. And then what happens? They become suspicious of other members of the family. And, they, and they, they're not even true. They're not even right. But they go ahead and they bring them on in. Guard against that. As far as the family of, of God is concerned. As far as, as uh, getting people, we all need to get along and so forth. We can get along. I don't have to agree with you. I can still get along with you. We don't have to necessarily agree with it. We just, well, that's all right. We don't agree on that one. Let's, let's go on. But sometimes we let these differences do, and they just, just divide us. We don't need to have that kind of stuff going on. It doesn't need to be that way. Whenever you hear a report of another person in the body, whether it's in the you know, local church here or just in the body of Christ, you hear you know, news media come out and say something against preacher so-and-so, pastor so-and-so. Missionary so-and-so, apostle so-and-so, prophet so-and-so, whatever it is, make sure you go out there and you check it out yourself. Don't ever take somebody's word for it. 
Don't ever take anybody's word because they're probably lying to you. Because the purpose of the enemy is to divide. The purpose of the enemy is to divide. We've outlined many times for you the role of the media, the role of government, how they try to divide people, get people into racial uh, envy, social status envy, all kinds of stuff. And we look at each other because of what we have. You know, right now the rich should be despised and the poor, well, they need to be helped and, uh, and so forth. No, don't get into all that. Rich people should not be despised. Glory to God for rich people. Rich people hire poor people. <laughs> if it wasn't for rich people, <laughs> poor people wouldn't be working anywhere. Thank God for that. But don't let those kind of things go on. Don't let, the, don't, don't let people come in and divide this. Because they will, and the story will sound good. The reasons that people put out there why we should despise rich people sound good. Until you actually look into it. And you find out they're wrong. And it doesn't help you any to bring rich people down. It doesn't help anybody. Don't despise rich people. They got a good car. Glory to God, they got a good car. Rejoice in them getting a good car. But I want to have one. Envy. <laughs> Word of God has things that, some things to say about that. Don't let that happen. I don't know if you heard about this. My wife and I were talking about it earlier today. But Herman Cain got himself involved in a, in a little thing. And uh, the, the news media asked him a question. Now, I hope Herman, I love Herman Cain. I've seen some things about his background. Love this. Did, have you looked up this man's background? Oh, man, he has got a background. I think he restarted his career three times from the ground up. And just the attitude he had and the things he did, I'll tell you what, we would be privileged to have a man like that running the country. But he got himself involved in some things. He was in getting interviewed. And uh, this person, I forget what news station it was, ABC, CBS, one of those places that was out there, interviewed him and asked him about the Rick Perry. Anybody heard about Rick Perry, the hunting grounds that the family had? Well, this episode came on up, and apparently this hunting ground that Rick Perry's family had rented had a big rock. And I'm not sure if it was the name of the hunting ground or if they just painted this name on the rock. The Perrys did not, but it was painted, and it was a very racially motivated um, word, very racially, very, not, not a word I use, but uh, <laughs> it's one of those words that was out there. Well, the Perrys didn't like this. And so what they did was they painted over the, this word that was painted on the rock. And after that, they actually took, it was a big rock. They took the rock and they tipped it over because they didn't like this thing. And and that went on. That was back in the 80s. And apparently, the um, I don't know if they stopped using the, renting the, releasing the hunting grounds or what happened. But anyway, they had gone and they found this rock. And they saw that the paint had faded. And, they, and three of the letters of the word were visible. And in the very report, the very newspaper that this reporter was quoting from, they even said in the article that the Perrys had tried to paint this thing over. But the question was formed for Herman Cain about, uh, and it was, it's about Rick Perry, whether he should have done it. And whether he thought he could, you know, he's competing with Rick Perry, I'm not sure what. But he said some things that, that, that based on you know, this, this being true. Never, never assume that they're true. Never assume that they're true. They're probably lying to you to get you to say something, to get you to do something. I think they were trying to do that with with him, he probably said some stuff that after he found out what the story was, he probably would have liked to go on back there and 
unsaid that. But you see, they put this stuff out. Even in the very article, the, the truth is in there of what they tried to do. And they still want to make them out to be, well, they, they probably rented this because they uh, liked the name of the place or liked the, the, the rock and the word that was painted on there. You see, folks, people out there are trying to, de- trying to divide on things that are not true. Jesus here is praying because he knows that people are going to come in and try and divide those that are his. He's saying, I'm not praying for the world. I can't help the word out on this. Who I can help are those that are ours. You're not going to be able to help heathens out when they've got these reports out there that are going to try and drive division between people. Whether divisions based on race, divisions based on, on um, uh, money, uh, rich, poor, in business, not in business, uh, whatever it might be, whether you use airplanes or whether you don't, whether you drive big cars or whether you drive smart cars or whatever it is, they'll try and, and put these things in. Not, they don't even care if they're truthful. All that they care is that they divide. Don't ever respond to it. Because that's all, that's all they want to try and do, get you to respond to it. Even so, the enemy, in the same way, because the world takes after our enemy, the enemy tries to put thoughts in about other believers. I think they, you know, they, they don't think so highly of you. Look at how they behaved over there. Look at what they did. Don't, don't, don't believe it. Because we have it. The Word of God says. The Word of God says, hope all things, believe all things, endure all things. That's what the Word of God says. The world says, no, as soon as you find a reason to disbelieve somebody, go ahead and disbelieve them. Distrust them. Don't do it. Jesus sees it as important enough that one of the last prayers he makes for his disciples, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, that they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. We're in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep... Through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. This is the prayer I pray for us as the church, that we stay united. That things don't come along and try and divide us. Because Jesus prayed for this. And oh, how much better it is. I love it when we, you know, church it over and people still want to hang out together. I think that's just wonderful. People want to go out and eat together and jump over in each other's houses. This is great. This is what, this is what we should be doing. This is, this is good stuff. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition. We all know who that is. That the scripture might be fu- fulfilled. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world. That they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You are not of the world. The world will hate you. And the biggest thing that you can ever do is to try and buddy up with them. Don't ever try and buddy up with them. The mistake comes in even with politicians, with preachers, with ministers of all kinds. They, they try, they see an opportunity for the press to love them. They hear some words that the press is saying, oh, would you come on in? How about if we have you in over here to do this? And they're all real nice and they come in on the show and then they blast them. 
and they set them up for to look ridiculous. Do not think that the world is going to love you. They will not love you. And if they put on an appearance that they really want, we really respect you. We really would like to have your... No, <laughs> that's not it. You are of God. They are of the world. And they despise the things of God. They only pretend to love you. To get you into a position where they can exploit you. Don't do it. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Understand, he knows his limits here. We cannot pray beyond our limits. We may want to. We may like to. But we cannot pray beyond our limits. Jesus knows what he can pray. I do not pray that you take them out of the world. They're here to be lights in the world. That's their purpose. Jesus was here in the world. As long as he was here in the world, he was here to be a light of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So know your limits on what you can do. Now keep that in mind that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. We may have been born into it, just as Jesus was born into it, but we're not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So it's by the word that we will be sanctified. So the one thing we need to be striving for is to get the word. What did Jesus do with his disciples while he had them here? Give them the word. He gave them the word. He didn't just pray, sanctify them by your word. He gave them the word. They, they could do it and be sanctified. You can't just pray something if, if it's within your power to have done it. I cannot just pray, well, Father God, I'm going out there and, and you know, Uncle Joe, just, uh, you know, I'm too embarrassed to go over there and talk to him, so just send somebody else. Now, the Word of God does say, you know, send laborers in the field, but folks, if i got an opportunity, I need to be one of those laborers. Jesus didn't just say, well, just show the disciples your word. He gave them the word. Give them the opportunity. Make sure that you don't pray for God to do what is ours to do. And then when we have done what is ours to do, I can pray that God would take what I have done and to use it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now, notice this. As you have sent me into the world. Jesus is the Son of God. I have sent them into the world. The disciples were given to Jesus. He took ownership of them and he sent them into the world. Now, you'll see this also in Paul. When Paul would go into a church, did he not take possession of that church? You're my disciples. <laughs> You're born again because of me. <laughs> if I didn't come out there and do all that, you'd be uh, over there in your sins. You owe me. He said we're language like that. You owe me. You owe me more than money. You owe me your life, he would say. He took ownership of these guys. He understood this is what God has given me. God has given me a ministry to the Gentiles to go into the cities outside of Jerusalem where no one else has gone yet. That's the ministry I have. So I'm going in there and doing it. When I did that, they're mine. When Jesus said, God, you gave them these to me, they're mine. Now I'm sending them. He didn't say, well, God sent you. He says, I'm sending you in the world. 
Now go. See, you've got to take some ownership on the thing. It sure helps us to take ownership on that. Jesus sees the disciples as having belonged to God, given to him by God from out of the world. Give that to you again. Jesus sees the disciples as having belonged to God, given to him by God from out of the world. Now, to them, Jesus gave what he received. When Jesus received stuff, he looked for people to give it to, and he gave to the disciples what he had received from God. He didn't look to just keep it. He looked to give it. The great thing about what God has given us is that we can pass it on to as many people as are out there. Verse 19, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. <laughs> Look at this. Jesus has taken ownership of their disciples. I'm sending you guys out into the world. You're going to make disciples. Now I'm taking ownership of them. Because I have taken ownership of you, I also have a stake in the ones that you get. So I can pray for them. Because I was responsible for bringing this word to you, I therefore can take ownership of what comes underneath you. Yeah, it's kind of like multi-level marketing. <laughs> Jesus says this, everybody I bring into the kingdom, I got you and everybody you bring in too. They're all mine. <laughs> and, and Paul had the same idea. Paul adopted the exact same idea. I brought you guys in so anybody else who comes in, they're mine too. He's got that idea. They got that pyramid idea going on. That, that multi-level marketing. I get benefit on you guys and everybody else that you get. Sure, you get benefit from them too, but so do I. I pass stuff on to you. You pass that on to them. So I get benefit from it. But see, see the ownership they take? They don't just sit back and say, Well, whatever God wants to do. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That's the kind of unity he wants for all the ones, even the ones that are still to come. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You see, it's the unity that will cause the world to believe, especially since the world hates the word in us and tries to divide. And yet they can't. And as long as they can't, they realize we are hitting a force we don't understand. How is it that they hold together? They should have broken apart. Because you see, the world will come after other groups who don't believe as Jesus did, who don't believe in the Word of God, and they can shatter them. But the Christian church, they can't shatter. It's a testimony. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in, in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. The world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So he understands the roles of what he can pray. He stays within those realms, but those areas that God has said you can pray inside this, he takes ownership of it. This is my area. 
You gave it to me. Now it's mine. This is what we need to, to do. The people in the Bible, they took ownership of the stuff God gave them. If you don't take ownership of it, the devil can come right along and steal it from you. Take ownership of the things that God has. Use them. When you pray, pray with purpose. Father God, what can I pray for these people? What can I not pray for these people? And stay within those bounds. If you're unsure, make a prayer of inquiry. Father God, I'm not sure. Can I pray this area? Can I pray for this for them in there? And God will show you through His work. Yeah, you can. No, you can't. That's an area you can't be praying for. And then you pray for it that way. Instead, we just wonder about it. Says, well, it sounds like it's good. It feels like it's good. Seems like this will do some good. I just pray this way. Father God, just give them a job. Oh, just let the let, let them get some a, a good paying job but I don't know anything about what's going on. Are they tithing? Are they a believer? Are they looking to God? Were they disobedient in their job before? Did they decide to do on their own and leave the job or not be faithful in the job and that's why they lost the job? We've got a whole lot of things going on there. I've got to find out before I can pray. If they're not a believer, can I pray for their finances? Huh. That's beyond the scope. I've got to understand. Nope, that's beyond the scope what I could do. Father God, I know not to dip into there. Mm-mm. Not touching that one. You're on your own. Let, let them know. I can't pray for you now. Get saved. I can pray for you. Can't pray for you when you're not saved. What do you mean you can't pray for me? Doesn't God care about me? God cares about you a whole lot. He wants you to get saved. So get saved. We can pray for you about all kinds of stuff then. Let them know. Don't beat around the bush. Tell them. That's not, that's not an area I can do. Well, turn it over to Luke chapter 22. We looked at this last time, but I wanted to get back into it. Another prayer that Jesus is doing. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, I was looking back on some of my notes on this, and I forgot to get into some of the things about this thing. That first off, the you here, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. The word there for you is plural. See, in the English, you lose it. In the Greek, it's very distinctive. Personal pronouns are both singular and plural. In the English, it's the same way. You could mean you personally, or it could mean all of you. You don't know from the word, but in the Greek, you know from the word. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for all of you that he may sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Now here he changed. But I have prayed for you. Make sure I get to the right one. Sift you as wheat. That one is plural. Going back there. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So what he's saying is, Satan has asked for all of you that he may sift you as wheat. But Peter, I want you to know this. I have prayed for you personally. If he prayed for Peter personally, don't you think he also prayed for each of the others personally? He's talking right now to Simon. Simon, Satan has come along. He's asked for all of you guys. He wants to sift all of you as wheat. The conversation is with Simon. He's letting him know Satan has not singled you out. He wants all of you. But I want you to know this. I have personally prayed for you that your faith would not fail. To me, that means he probably prayed for John. 
Matthew, Thomas, all the others. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So look at what he prays here. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. He knows what's going on in the spirit realm. How does he find this out? Because when he is praying for the disciples, God speaks to him about this. He lets them know what's going on. He picks up in the realm of the spirit. The spirit of God tells him some things. As you can prophesy in a church, as we're talking about on Sunday, you can prophesy in prayer. The word of God can rise up. The spirit of God can take you and pray for you. He'll give you words and you can say them. Oh, devil wants to sift these folks as wheat. All right. I'm going to pray for this one, pray for this one. And he prayed for each and every one of them. And when he prayed for each and every one, he prayed specifically what the Holy Spirit showed him for that one. In this case, he's telling Peter, this is what I prayed for you. That means that the other 11, or at least 10, the other 10, because we know the one he didn't have to bother with. He's not coming back. He's gone. He already knew about that one. But the other ten, he's going to be praying for them. And God's going to give him specific things about those to pray for them. But he, either they never asked, never had the opportunity, or it's just not written in the Word of God. But Simon, of course, he's the big mouth. And he starts the conversation. And that's why the Lord says, Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for all of you that he may sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Peter. I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, he didn't have to pray for all of them to return to him, but he had to pray for Peter, that when you return to me, you'll strengthen your brethren. He gave him those words. But Jesus prayed this, and apparently he never, I don't see that he would have ever told this to Simon if it wasn't for the conversation that Simon started. Which means Jesus probably many times prayed for specifically for his disciples about things about situations that they would they would come up upon. And he just prayed for them, and then he just went on. Probably never told them about it. When you pray for other people, it can be specific. Let the Holy Spirit rise up on the inside of you and give you some, some insight as to how to pray. Don't just sit there and pray in tongues. Praying in tongues is good. Get the benefit of it. But as we're talking about on Sunday, let the Spirit of God rise up on the inside of you and teach you how to pray for that situation. Give you words. Inspire you. English words. Words that you understand when you pray, you pray in faith. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he, then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. I've already seen it, Peter. I've already seen it. I can even tell you, you're still going to go out there and do it. We've seen this many times in the Word of God. Micaiah, all right. I saw in heaven... God said, how shall we bring the king into battle? I know. I'll, one said, one, they'll do this. One said, I'll do that. Then one came, one spirit came and said, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And the Lord said, go, you'll succeed. <laughs> he he divulges the whole plan of what happened. The whole purpose of this is to get you to go into battle so you, you can die. God, God has no concern about showing his plans. He's shown his plans to the devil. This is what we're going to do. You know, in, in, in football, if you run a play, you have a huddle. 
And in that huddle, you talk about the play so that everybody in the huddle knows what the play is, but no one on the other side knows what it is. Jesus doesn't play that way. He comes up to the line of scrimmage, like he's the quarterback, comes up to the line of scrimmage and says, we're going to run right. Number 34 is going to run right. Ready, set, go. <laughs> and the defense still can't stop him. Uh, does this, is this a man who has respect for the enemy? See, sometimes we give the devil far more respect than we ought to. Our, our mentor, Jesus, is not afraid of the enemy. He will announce his plans. All right, I'm going to send my son. He's going to die on a cross. He's going to be raised on the third day. And salvation will come to all people. So what's the devil do? Let's kill him. Let's hang him on the cross. And let's put guards at the temple to make sure, at the, at the uh, stone to make sure nobody can get out. And God must be set up there and say, Satan, Satan, Satan. You make this so easy. <laughs> What's Satan thinking? He's going around in the crowd, inspiring people. Crucify him, crucify him. God says, that's what I told you. Going to run right. I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times. He said, you is in the plural referring to all the disciples. The word there for ask is the word to mean ask or beg for oneself. To ask that one be given up to one another for the power, from the power of another. To ask that one would be given up to one from the power of another. See how that means? Satan is asking that they would be removed from the power of God. Now, a question you ought to be asking is, how is it that first off Satan would go to God and ask this, and then how is it that God would answer? Yeah, go ahead. Because isn't that the impression we have? What's going on? So the common thought is that Satan went to God and asked for, asked him for permission. Jesus said, Satan has asked for you. Did Jesus ever say he asked God? He just said he asked for you. He never said he asked of God. But we've all assumed that Satan's asking God. Why would God give Satan any entertainment? Why is God going, yeah, Satan, what do you want? Well, what can I do for you? Well, I'd really like to have Peter and John and Matthew. Can, I, can you just remove them from your power and put them in mine? Oh, yeah, no problem. Anything else you want? I mean, can you see that going on? Is that the God that you serve? Oh, people, come on. <sighs> Do we really have to go back to that one, too? <laughs> yeah, we can. We know he opened the door. All right, let's take a look at this. To sift you as wheat. So I want to sift you as wheat. Again, the, the, the you is plural. So what's in mind here? The word sift means to sift, shake, and sieve. Thayer has this, by inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. By inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overflow. The weast puts it in this way. In order that he may shake you in a sieve as a grain is sifted by the inward agitation, trying your faith to the verge of overthrow. That's the weast translation of that verse. Now go over to Matthew chapter 13. 
We're going to take a look at something here. We've looked at this passage so many times. You've got to probably memorize it. But it shows us so many things. Verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Then he who receives seed by the wayside, this is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root to himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, here we have a situation where Jesus has given us a parable to show us how the enemy comes against the Word. What is it that the world hates in us? The Word. The world hates the Word. So it wants to come and get the Word. In this parable where Jesus des describes the tactics of the enemy, is there one time when the enemy asks to eat the seed? To choke the seed. Is there any permission asked in this at all? There is nothing. No permission asked of God. So where is the asking? Let's go back to the football example. The guys are in the huddle. And they run right and they have had success running right. And the coach gets the middle linebacker or whoever's running the defense. And he asks of him, stop him. Right? Wouldn't you ask something like that if somebody was on your team? I want you to get in there. I would, it's your job. You stop him. You do not let him get anywhere. Is he not asking him? How many times have defensive coordinators come to the defensive line and said, I am asking for the quarterback. Do the, at any time in a football game, does the opposing coach go over to the other coach? Can I have a couple of sacks on this? Can you fumble the ball? Give us a shot at, uh, at recovering the ball. Would that happen? No, it would not happen. We are at war in football. God is at war with Satan's kingdom. Do you think that Satan can ask anything of God and get a positive, hey, we'll go ahead, go get them. I can get other disciples. <laughs> yeah, they're a dime a dozen. It's not a big deal. Why would God do that? See, Jesus said that Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but nowhere does he say he asked God. Is he not asking those amongst his kingdom? We've we got to stop these guys. I'm asking you right now. Get those guys from following. Shake them to their core. Throw tribulation into their path. I want people to spot them wherever they are. I want people to recognize them and to put pressure on them. I'm, I want them. Wouldn't that make a whole lot more sense? And what happened when Peter was walking on through, following Jesus at a distance? Oh, you were one. You were one. I, you were. You were. No, 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 not me. No, no, no. And he goes to another place. You were one. You were one. He's being recognized. Wherever he goes, he's being recognized. When Paul would go into a city, the Jews would follow him. When he would leave a seat, city. Other Jews would come in. They, would, they were after the disciples that, that he did. They didn't come up and ask Paul, Paul, do you mind if we beat you this time? 
Do you mind if when you leave, we send people in to deceive the people that you've uh, converted? Paul says, all right, give it a shot. No, but it doesn't happen. We are at war. People at war don't ask each other for things. When we were at war with the Japanese and the Nazis, we didn't go over there and say, you know what? We, we want to do a surprise raid tomorrow. Can you all be surprised? Would that be all right? We don't do that. But here's the tactics of the enemy. The devil shows us. Or the, the devil has shown us, but Jesus reveals it to us. He's going to try and steal the revelation. Did the devil try and steal the revelation, the word that was put in them? How many of those disciples remembered the word that Jesus taught? I'll die on the cross and three days later I'll be raised. Did any of them remember that? What happened to that word? It was stolen because they didn't understand it. It was stolen. Who did that? <laughs> the enemy? Did God have anything to do with that? God, he, here's, a, here's a teaching. Even right before they get into Jerusalem, Jesus pulls them aside. One more time, I've got to go over this with you guys. One more time. I've got to tell you, I'm going to die on the cross and three days later I'm going to be raised. God got it? Yeah, we got it, Jesus. You sure? Die on the cross, three days later I'll be raised. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Okay. And so then they go on and they finish the journey, head on out to Jerusalem. Is Jesus trying to prepare them for this? But it didn't happen, did it? Is that God's fault? Is that God saying, well, let's just turn them on over. It's not God's fault. It's their fault. They gave in to the tactics of the devil. Jesus even revealed it to them. even told them about it. There's no permission that's asked for here. Well, did the disciples qualify as one of these types of soil? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they're, they're about to show us which one. It doesn't seem to be that they're the fourth one. They qualify as one of those types of soil. The devil got in and stole the word. Because he stole the word, what happened? They became vulnerable. They were able to be sifted as wheat, not because of permission granted from God, but because of what they released from their possession. The devil got in and deceived them. And because the, the deceit came in and they bought into it, they released what was given to them, what was given to them to keep them from being sifted. Jesus gave them revelation. He gave them understanding. He gave them knowledge. He prepared them. He prayed for them. And as he's praying, God is telling them, they're, gonna, they're, they're not going to hang on to that teaching. All that stuff you gave them, they're not going to hang on to it. I'll bet you when Jesus was praying this about them, before he got to Jerusalem, God had revealed it to them, they're going to let this go. But I've been so clear about it. Yeah, they're going to let it go. Well, I'm going to take one more shot at telling them. So before they get in Jerusalem, he pulls them all aside. Y'all have this? We got it. Jesus must be scratching his head. Father God, I don't know what else I can do. I've told them, yeah, they're still going to release it. Well, if they release it, they're not going to be able to stand up against the enemy. So I'll pray that they come back. Once I come back, because you know I'm raising on the third day, then they're all going to sit there and look at each other in the mirror. <laughs> and then they'll come on back. But uh, yeah, you just bring them on back after that. Not much else we can do. He tried to prepare them. He gave them everything they needed. If they had simply hung on to what Jesus had taught them, was there any sifting going on? But every single one of them, every one let it go. 
Because they're all depressed. They're all down. Mourning. Jesus died. We thought He was going to be the one. We thought He was going to be the one. But I have prayed for you. You is singular. So what does Jesus pray for? That His faith would not fail and to strengthen His brethren. Now notice what Jesus does not pray for. He does not pray for Him to return. I pray that His faith shall not fail and that when He does return, He doesn't pray for that. When his, that His faith would not fail. If it's not going to fail, He's going to return. Pray that His faith does not fail and that when He returns, He would strengthen His brethren. He does not pray for Him to return. He does not pray for the test to be lessened or removed. How many times have we been caught up praying for things like this? Oh, Father God, just lessen that test they're going through. Oh, it just seems to be stressing them out. It seems to be so hard. I just pray that it becomes easier. It's the wrong prayer, folks. If Jesus did not pray for His disciples, whom He loved very much, then apparently it's not a possible prayer to pray. Otherwise, He would have prayed it. We cannot pray for tests to be lessened. The reason that tests are hard... Oh, I hope we get this one. The reason that tests are hard is because of the Word we let go. Why does the test come? Because of the Word. The test comes... Because of the Word. The test is hard because we let it go. If we don't let go of the Word, the test isn't hard. When Jesus was in the garden praying, I'm not letting go of the Word. I got God's Word on this. I'm just going to check it out. Sure there's no other way? All right, we're, we're ready for this. Let's go. I'm, this is the way. I'm not letting it go. When Jesus is going through... We know this had to be a tremendous test, but does it seem like it to Jesus from Jesus' side? As far as the outward appearance, what we see from Jesus, does it seem like he's straining? Oh, I just got to hang on a little bit longer. No. He's even silent. How is it you can be silent with all these accusations? You have no power over me except what's been given to you. It's all right. I got the word. The test is only hard because of the word we let go. The test comes because of the Word. Hang on to that Word. And the test won't be so hard. That's why you can't pray for the test to be lessened. Because it's up to the individual to hang on to the Word. The goal is Satan wants to get them to let it go. Don't let it go. So how does Satan get permission? Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. I can give the devil place. Don't give him place. Don't give him room. He's going to try and throw us some things for us to meditate on that are outside the area of love to give him an opportunity. Here, think about this. All right. Oh, good, you just gave me the opportunity. Is he asking permission? <laughs> Maybe from us. Will you think on this for a little while? Okay. If I say no... I'm not going to think on that for a while. I'm going to think on the, the love things that my father told me to hang on to. I'm going to think on good things and meditate on good things. I'm not going to meditate on that. I'm not going to think on that. Uh, I'm not going that way. Then he, he asked for permission and I didn't give it to him. I said no. 
I'm not going to get it. I'm going to think on these things. Yeah, but look at how inviting it is to think about these evil things about this person. Because look, they're concocting all kinds of plans against you. No, no, not going to do it. I'm just going to be, sit over here and be full of joy. And the love of God is going to abound in me. And I'm just not going to think on that. Oh, man, we frustrate the devil. Because all he wants to do is get us into that area. Get us into that place. Go back to the football example. What's one of the things that one of the defensive linemen will do to the people in the offense? We've seen it in movies, football movies. They holler over to the, to the quarterback. I'm going to be in your face all day. I'm coming to get you. Why are they doing that? Because they want him to meditate on something else. They want him to meditate on, I'm not safe. They're going to come get, they, they want to kill me. But the good quarterbacks, what do they do? Try and get me, man. <laughs> I'm going to burn you. You're going to come after me. I'm going to burn you. And I'm going to laugh at you. You see, it's a different attitude. The reason the defense does that is because if I can get you to think on these things, I'll get you to slow down, not do some of the stuff that you normally would have done. You're thinking about me. The devil wants us to get him thinking about him, about his things. By doing so, it gives him an opportunity. Does he need to ask God permission for anything? No. First Peter 5.8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. means he can't devour everybody, but he can devour some. Whom can he devour? Those that are not sober and those that are not vigilant. Those that give in to the thoughts that he wants us to have. Jesus, he goes on here and he exhorts them to pray with purpose. Remember, jump down to verse 40. When he came to the place, this is in the garden, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Is he once again giving them an opportunity? Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now look at what Jesus, Jesus is going in to pray. What's he praying? Father God, I know your word. Solidify it in me. Because they're coming after me to try and shake this. Solidify your purpose in me. And when I come out of here, they're not, they're not shaking me. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Look at Weiss' translation on this verse. He said to them, Keep continually praying that you will not enter the place where testing will be so severe that it will lead to solicitation to do evil under which you will fall. Is that not the exact same word? Phraseology that we just saw in the other? To sift you as wheat? Jesus is bringing them in here. Now look, the devil wants to sift you as wheat. I want you to pray that that sifting doesn't happen. Pray. I'm going to. Now you all need to as well. What did they all do? They all fell asleep. They didn't do that thing. Is Jesus once again giving them an opportunity to not fall to this? Even after he's told them, you're going to fall. But you know what? If you do this, you won't. Come on over here. If you do this, you won't enter into temptation. Come on. If you, if you just listen to me. You won't enter into temptation. Keep continually praying that you will not enter the place where testing will be so severe that it will lead to solicitation to do evil under which you will fall. You know the prayer can do that? The only way, though, the prayer can do that is not if I go into prayer and say, Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the good things that you have done for me. Father, I thank you for the power of God that's on the inside of me. No, what do I need to do? Shut up. Listen. Ask Him some things. Like Jesus did. Father, if it's, if it's possible, 
let this cup pass from me. But if it's not possible, I'll drink it. You think he wants an answer on that? And so the answer comes, it's not possible. You've got to drink it. Okay. I just need to hear one more time. Then we're going to go out here. And so now he's ready. He's prepared. The word has been solidified in him. The understanding has been solidified in him. No one can steal that from him. No one can come and say, there's another way. No, I already asked God. He already told me. There's no other way. This is the way it's going to be done. So we're going. And so when he comes out and the soldiers are there, they all come in for, for him. Whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. They all fall over. And get up again. I said to you, whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. I already told you that I'm him. Let these guys go. And with that, they all ran. What's Jesus doing? Come on, let's go. I'm ready for this. Let's get it started. I'm going to drink this cup. We're going to do this now. Now, I put this in your outline. Just because I can do all things through Christ, just because I can do all things through Christ, doesn't mean I can pray anything I want. (laughs) Just because I can do all things through Christ, doesn't mean I can pray anything I want. Know the boundaries. Know what prayer is to do. Stay within those boundaries. Pray with all prayer. When you need to find out something from God, ask Him and wait for an answer. His Holy Spirit will tell us some things. When He speaks to us, believe it. And don't let that word be stolen from you. When you're going through testing times, if they're hard, there's probably some word you let go. Go back and find out what's that word. I let go of something here. This should not be this hard. What did I let go of? need to find out what that is. I need to get renewed on that. The devil wants to sift me as wheat. But I'm not going to let him. I'm not going to let him. Just because I can do all things through Christ doesn't mean I can pray anything I want. No, we pray according to the Word of God. If you don't know what the Word of God says on a thing, then you ask God, what's it say on this? When He tells you, when you get that revelation, then pray it. Then stand on it. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Don't make trials and tribulations harder than they need to be. Just believe them. Well, Father God, you said this. You said this about your word. Okay. We're going to go with that. Glory to God. He'll help us out. Father, we thank you for the example that Jesus gave us in prayer. That as he prayed for his disciples, he prayed for those that were his. We see the rules that he followed. He knew where he could pray and where he could not. We knew that he could pray for the word in them. But if they're going to let it go, he realized, I can't pray that the test would be removed because they've let go of the word. Father, help us to realize what's going on behind the scenes. What's happening? Just as you told Jesus what was going on behind the scenes with his disciples, you'll help us to know. That our actions can counteract the ones of the enemy who desires to steal the word out of those that you have given to us. Thank you for the help that you've given to us in this, for the help of your Holy Spirit who inspires us to pray. We don't just pray phrases, we don't just pray verses, we pray inspiration. Thank you.